covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman alongside my good friend and co-host Jim Mernier, along for another edition of our off-season coverage and series of uh, player interviews that we're doing for Inside the Walls. Uh, this time, we finally, finally got around to getting a player from each team now in the NAL onto the show. We, uh, For those that might be Jersey Flight fans out there, we apologize for not getting a player represented from your side on this show. But finally we are, and we're getting a all NL NAL receiver on to boot with Tyron laughing house. Tyron, thanks for joining the show, by the way. Uh, really been looking forward to chat with you. You know, you made a lot, you had a lot of great plays and really a lot of highlight plays for the league this year uh, for the Jersey flights first season as part of the NAL. So welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. And I thank you guys for having me up here and I'm, it's a pleasure to be work with you guys, and I'm ready to tell what's going on with the Jersey flight. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to touch on that. Uh, we want to just talk about the past season because, I mean, definitely some ebbs and flows, to say the least. Uh, with every player that's on the show, though, I, I love getting the backstories. Uh, me and Jim love hearing them as well. Uh, you yourself, I know you've been pretty much to every major net arena league at some point, uh, either defunct or now what's current. Um, but you know, just yourself in general, uh, how did, how'd your passion for football start? How's the journey? What's the journey looked like for you so far? Well, I was born and raised in Greenville, North Carolina, where I started playing football at five years old. I started playing pop one and somehow, some way my mom showed me an old video. I said, I always wanted to be a football player. Okay. So since I was, since five years old, I've been playing, I, I played two years of middle school football. Then I played one year of high school football because, I mean, I wasn't holding my end on the bargain with the grades. And then after that, of course, I wanted to do the NFL, but I didn't get any tryouts or looks, even though I was the best Division II player in the world, I feel like. But it happens sometimes, and I, I'm not mad at it, but I continue to play and continue to push. I went out to, let's see, Florida, and I played with uh, Chris Wallace. Okay. And that's when uh, Coach Beck seen me. I guess he seen me play, or, and I've been against or uh, with the arena ever since then. Right. Well, you've been, I mean, at least the resume you have, uh, I know you, for a time, you were in what was uh, X League Arena for a yes. short moment. Um, you were also with the Wichita Falls Nighthawks while they were part of the IFL. Uh, but you've really, I mean, you also are even with the AFL and I understand you and Warren Smith kind of met during your time at, with the uh, Atlantic City Blackjacks, am I right? Yes, sir. All nice. that is correct. <laughs> and then, yeah. And so most of your namesake has really been with the NAL so far. Uh, I noticed you got the, at least what we're talking about, the Carolina Cobras uh, t-shirt on yourself. Um, yes. <laughs> how, <laughs> how is it going from uh a established NAL franchise now the Cobras to a team like the flight that, you know, it's an expansion team. It's brand new to the scene and it's also joining during a pandemic year to boot, you know, definitely some difficulties kind of piling on each other. Yes. It was definitely very hard to get inside of an unestablished team. We had our ups and downs and our bruises against the team. I mean, but we made it happen. We tried to do everything on 
a short notice from what I'm saying. So I wasn't mad about anything, but it was more so coming from something that was already established. It was very hard. It was very difficult to play this year, to be honest. Yeah. What would you say uh, would be more like the just the restrict just restrictions of trying to get in, or maybe like just differences in like I know some people pointed jerseys crowds, maybe whether it was restrictions or not. You know, maybe not the most ideal for getting a home atmosphere, but you know, is that di- that difference? I know Carolina has a pretty dedicated fan base. Jersey's still kind of building theirs. Does that add into it? It was definitely a different type of fan base. I think we. I don't know if the promotion was all there just because of the pandemic. But, of course, everybody's families came in. But the fan base was – it was so-so, but it definitely wasn't lacking uh, Carolina Coles. Mm. Yeah, it seemed like there there definitely is some room for growth. Now, I'll, of course, year one, like I said, pandemic-wise, uh, probably could see some growth in there, I think, and that you know you might see some crowds get larger. I know New Jersey had a few more restrictions during your time playing that season. So – uh, you know, that probably affected things. Um, I want to actually ask this next question. I know Terry Foster, your head coach is a quite a, is quite the fascinating individual. Cause he kind of not only it's one of the few cases where he's basically the team as well as the coach for the team, kind of like, uh, you know, a lot more management involved side. He's definitely more in on all the pieces. Uh, describe Terry Foster, coach Terry Foster for us. When I first came to New Jersey, I met Coach Foster as far as a coach. I love him to death. He, he don't say too much. He lets the players make their own mistake. And then, of course, he come back and correct it. But he's, he's a very cool guy. Like I said, he's he's very nah, – he don't talk as much. He's just – he says about two or three words in practice, make us get the work, and we go from there. And if we don't get it right in the game, of course, he'll – he yelled at us for, for a little bit, but he don't like the yell. And that's what he said to me. I was like, well, we'll have to take over the team as far as to keep his uh, yelling to a minimum because I want to yell at a few people if we're making the wrong mistake. So, I mean, he's a pretty good, a nice guy, cool, cool culturally. And I will, I will all man, his coaching staff always. Hmm. Yeah, I I definitely could see the I, me and Jim definitely in many games could see you know quite a passionate guy, quite someone that definitely gets into definitely not saying none of the other coaches do this, but you know one that really you could tell is definitely I think a, he looks like a player's coach to us. Um, definitely someone that's a little more you know it's it's a different say when you know you he's more in the he even has more management than other coaches do it seems just from how the flight are built up. Um, for yourself, uh, you know, talk about just your receiving unit. I mean, Larry, you know, Larry Beavers, you had, you know, Dangerfield with you, you know, pretty well-established receiving group you guys had, uh, for the flight, probably one, arguably one of the better ones in the NAL last season. I definitely think we was the, definitely the best, one of the best or not the best, the top three receiving core. I mean, we could, we could have did anything we wanted to with either receiver. So, I don't know. We didn't. We just didn't mesh all together. We didn't gel all together. And I'm upset about that because we're supposed to do more things that we really did. And it I, it's just hard to explain it because and then we had uh, Brian Robertson on the back end as the fourth receiver. It's just we couldn't do nothing at all without. I guess we didn't have the OC to get it right for us or we did, but 
I mean, I would have rather had another OC with Coach Shane Stafford because he was there in the beginning, and then we would have all been solid. But as the far as receiver core, I love this. Well, I mean, we didn't we didn't hate on each other. We all loved it when someone scored, and and that was the best thing about me. We all celebrated together. Mm-hmm. So I loved our receiver core, and I wouldn't mind playing with those three guys again. Yeah, I you guys definitely seem to be in sync when it comes to celebrations. You know, I it, it, whether it was you or at least Dangerfield scoring more often, or be, you know, or even Larry Beavers. You know, it's all three of you. I think were all versatile weapons at times during this season. Um, and you know, when you guys were gelling, you guys were gelling. You know, I think that's what's kind of you know for us at least me and Jim talking. And I'll let Jim kind of go on to this onto this here as I lead off let, let off. Uh, it really felt like you know just kind of like stall and start for the flight uh there at times it looked like you'd be world beaters one of the best in the league and then just all of a sudden would fall off a cliff so i'm curious i'm just curious where this could go here and uh what could have been i guess to say uh i i definitely feel like we could have been the top team as far as taking albany to the last second i mean we wasn't this one i, I can go ahead and say that we wasn't this one enough to stay where we need to stay. And that all falls back on us. And I can say the coaches also, because once we get out of our element, they're supposed to be the ones that pick us up and and they didn't do as we thought was going to do so. I mean, it all can we all can say that we all had a, our hand or a foot into the losing part. But we definitely, as y'all can see, we could have been the best team in the league. And we shouldn't have been in certain circumstances that we were in, but I mean, it happened. So, seeing that you played uh, with Warren Smith and the Blackjacks, how's that? How was that chemistry helping you and your receivers in Jersey this season? Oh, that that chemistry was there from from the jump as the first day we started practicing. Because it was like, hey, we didn't really miss a beat, even though we uh, missed the season. But we ran almost the identical offense from the Black Jacks in Jersey. So it's like, hey, we were still on the same accord. And still, hey, I make a play, you put it in the uh, right position, and we'll go from there. So it was all about us gelling. And if we all could have got on the same page with the gelling, it would have been great. We would have had a great outcome. All right. Now I'm going to go back to one of your highlights of the season. Um, it was Holman. I forgot you got, forgot who you playing. I think either you were playing either the Predators or the, maybe the pan, uh, Cobras. Your one, your one handed catch towards the back wall of the end zone. That was a defining moment. This is one of the best catches I've seen in the league in the past year. What's your mindset through that moment where you got to well, got to make a play here, but your natural ability may look like it was easy to you, and it was uh, for me a former defensive lineman. I look at that, and go, I wish I was a receiver, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but still, it was a, one of the best plays. And uh, for me, who creates hype videos, I'm still trying to do a top ten list, and that's definitely a top two uh, play of the year. But just describe the that that play because i guarantee you i forgot who they play i think it's either i think it's either the cobras or the predators that you made that highlight if i went over the wall it was the cobras 
if yeah. I stayed, if I stayed in bounds, it was uh, the predators. But if I can talk from both, well, I with me, I'm I always had at least a thirty-nine to a forty-inch vertical. Hmm. So I always told a quarterback that I'm playing with, it's always been Charles McCullum for the last couple of years until I got with Warren. But I always tell him, just give me a play. I mean, give me a shot. Just throw the ball up, and I guarantee either I'm going to come down with it or nobody's going to come down with it. And I, I just always pride myself in going up high and get the ball. I, just, I don't think about it. I don't care about my body at the time. I just want to catch the ball because I may never know when the ball coming back to me again, just because I might get double teamed. So I just go through the motions and just play basketball with the defender. I go up and get it. I want the ball. I want the score. I want us to win at all times. So, <laughs> Well, and the receivers, of course, you, you guys have the, the, the advantage over the defenders because you can catch the ball and end up over the wall. And that's still considered inbounds while the defender he doesn't – he has to literally box you out and try to get the ball. But you, with your 40-inch vert, you tell Warren Smith to just throw up there. Be like with D, uh, um, D-Hop a couple of years – last year with freaking uh, Aaron Murray. Well, he crap, he's down there. Let me just throw it down there. Sure, yes. Um, sure. Um, but that's still – I remember watching that game earlier this year, and it was you and DJ Myers back and forth, highlight after highlight catches. I'm like, this is the one of the most – one of the most exciting games of the season, even though the scoreboard didn't show it, because it debuted the top receivers in the league. And it just amazes me when I, I'm looking at the stat sheet every single week and me and Zach are talking about each game. Your name's always on the list. Pop up with the best play, uh, yards, you, then it's Beavers, or you, you got Prince in Albany, or you have Devin Wilson in Jacksonville, or you have uh, uh, Antoine Grant in Columbus. And, of yeah. course – it's the, the receiving core in the league of me and Zach talked about this year is it was elite. Honestly, I could say it was a better receiving core throughout the league than the IFL. Yes, we don't cover the IFL, but it's, I believe it, to this day is still, we got a lot of AFL players in the play in the NAL and just athleticism. It was crazy. And I just like your play, DJ's play, Devin Wilson's play against uh, the Columbus Lions, even though that, that was a one-sided buck kicking by the Lions. That was one of the best plays I've seen in the year. But the advantage of the receiver in the arena game, for instance, you catch the ball, you have an extra three or four yards behind you, even though there's a wall. But it just makes this game more entertaining because you know as a receiver, the game is built around you. And my question is this, even though I just – this very, very long freaking way. But anyways, uh, people who listen to our show know I go on rants. Um, <laughs> as a receiver – is your mindset saying you know that the rules are for you, they're in favor of you, you know what you got to do on the walls, how can you put your opponent away or your defender you go up against? How, as a receiver in the, in the indoor game compared to the outdoor game, how do you use that to your advantage? I take it as I don't know if he's ready to go over the wall. The DB is not paying attention to the wall. So I use that as advantage because – I know that I can either clear the wall with the jump or I can go over the wall with the ball in my hand and he not knowing where I'm at, period. So it's definitely an advantage for the receivers because we know the wall is coming. The DB is not paying attention to the wall at all because he's trying to hold me, try to maybe 
we intercept the ball and he don't know that it's there. So I'm looking at the wall as I run my route, like, hey, let me stay close to the wall because if he throw it this way, I'm I'm clearing the wall and he's going to either run into it or he's going to clear it too, but it's going to hit his lower half because he don't know if he got to jump early or stay on the ground and get hit by the wall. So it's, it definitely plays a big part as a receiver because uh, it, we win. We win every time we go over the wall. And it doesn't matter if we drop it over the wall because we can pick it up so fast. Nobody can see that we dropped the ball. <laughs> so as long as we go yeah. over there with the ball, uh, we got it. Like, we come back up, stand up before the ref get over there. That's a touchdown or a complete pass, whichever you want, you want to do it with. The perfect disguise. <laughs> I, I've definitely had a play where I, I can say it now because it was two or three years ago that I jumped on the wall and took me out. I dropped the ball on the way down, but I grabbed it before the referee got over there, and it was a touchdown. They don't even know it. <laughs> they just seen that I went over the wall with the ball. And I, I might have the video also. It was when I was playing with the Cobras. <laughs> At that point, they're just like, hey, you know what? Here he beat his body up enough. We, we'll just give – I mean, even <laughs> – I'll believe yeah, that if you do. And that's, and that's usually <laughs> when the, the, the replay technical difficulties happen too where they don't have that camera angle even though yeah, they do they, have that camera they, angle. At that point, they didn't have the camera angle because the way the crowd was set up, I fell underneath the thing and got up with the ball. So they really couldn't see that. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> yeah, we're going to yeah. get flagged by the league here. Like, yeah, stop telling the yeah. secrets. Tyron, open the curtain up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be all right. Hey, if that's, if that's how they want to do it, they better uh, put cameras down there because they don't know what's going on. <laughs> we'll get Kenny Veal or someone on the show and be like, so uh, <laughs> Tyron said. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. Well, I know Misha will agree with uh, – Tyrone, it's just I watched him two, three years ago when he was with the Sharks in the AFL. Watching the receiver had no idea where the wall is, and he completely did a one eighty right over the wall. Like the, he's like he was shocked that the wall was there. I'm like, dude, you've been in the you've been in the arena league for like six years. How were you surprised the wall was there? Because he's not paying. He wasn't paying attention. He he flipped over. He's like he was sitting in the seat. I'm like. He had no idea with the wall there. He was acting, playing it off. So I know when he said about the defenders always looking at the quarterback, looking at the ball, or looking at the receiver, they, they don't know their area. They know their zones of where they're covering when they're, with their assignments. But I still remember that game. I forgot what it was. It was a couple of years ago. Mishan was, I don't know, he may be covering Joe Hillis or something like that. Didn't even know where the wall was, and he completely cartwheeled over it. I think it's an ESPN top 10 play when it was covered by ESPN back in the day. Um, so that's yeah, amazing how the arena's game has changed, especially with coverage wise. But to close out my question, questioning, um, the Jersey flight, how was that organization as a player compared to the Blackjacks when you played in the Atlantic City? How is the NAL, in your opinion, you know, equaling or is it on its way of? being a solid organization operation like you, what the AFL was when you played there? If uh, the NAL or some of the organizations in the NAL will have to 
step up a totally a lot just to be compared to what was going on in the AFL. Or I can say what's going on with the Atlanta City Blackjacks. I mean, we ate good. We slept good. I mean, we had some cable in the house. I mean, we didn't have to worry about air conditioning. We didn't have to worry about rides to practice and stuff like that. And down sometimes in NAL, it's like guys got to worry about how to get to treatment, practice, how if we're going to eat certain days. And that shouldn't happen at all. I don't think so anyway. So, I mean, that's just piggybacking on the, the league and what some of the owners are in the league. I mean, I can't do nothing about that cool we chose to play that but i mean so some of the guys got to step it up just to for it to be top tier if you want to be honest about it mm. i can under i can understand that point you know we've had some uh tough conversations in the offseason on what needs to move forward uh obviously not only just from the league looking at itself to improve but also just looking at its competition which you know, I know the IFL has changed a lot since you were in there in 2017. Um, at that point, hell, even the team you were on is gone. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore with, which, with Wichita Falls um, for yourself. Um, I mean, do you, how do you look at the competition in terms of players? I understand that, you know, guys that were AFL from 2019, now they can go and be going to either one of these leagues coming this year. I mean, what is the, What's you have? Have you talked to any of these guys in like leagues? Like, how does this look come for 2022 in terms of who might be going where or how the divide on that will be for top tier talent? Mm, I think it all it will all depend on the area people stay in because right. right now I I'm I'm from well I don't I'm not from I'm from North Carolina of course but I still stay in Texas because I have a child in Texas mm-hmm. and it would be a lot easier for me to play in Frisco if that was the case I'll go work out and try out for Frisco and I could be in the IFL NAL don't have a team in Texas so it's hard for me to let my job go and go somewhere else and not be able to take my child with me they that plays a lot of part with the older guys now so I mean it's going to be up for grabs and whoever feel like they got the best chance to win okay of course, everybody's want to go play with Dozell because he's a great coach. This is his first year in the IFL, and he did a great job. His team went to the playoffs. So, I mean, that's how I was looking to it as far as a wide receiver, what this coach is doing, what who did he pick for a quarterback, and all this type of things. Of course, Billy Back will always be on my list because, I mean, I, he wanted to introduce me into the game of the IFL. So, I mean – it will all boil down to how you want to choose your facility or how's the team ran. Because I mean, it's just certain places I know I will not go back and play it. Okay. It's starting to be hard feelings with those guys, but I just, I can't do it. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I mean, Hey, when you, when you go into all different leagues, I mean, I can, you probably got enough of a sample to know what, what to, either expect or what you want at least out of your playing experience, you know, at that point, and you, yeah. you know, you've been playing for some time. So, you know, it's not just like you're a young buck anymore going, just throw me into anything, you know? But then I can also say there's really no difference when it comes to skill set with the IFL and the NAL. 
it's all about your O-line and D-line. Mm-hmm. If you have a good O-line, good D-line, skilled players are going to be skilled players regardless. I mean, it's it's a couple of leads where I know it's a couple of uh, DBs that probably couldn't stand a chance in the NL or the IFL, but that's all the lower leagues or the guys. But it's it really comes down to the offensive line, defense line, and how your quarterback play. If your quarterback is not on, then nah, you're not going to win anything. And if you can't block for too long or you can't get to the quarterback, you're going to get destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, it seems, uh, would you say that it's a big attributing? I mean, not to, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but, you know, would they, would you say that would maybe be a factor as to why it was kind of like an ebb flow for how your season went this year with the flight? You know, because I know there were moments where it was like, I know Warren sometimes would be running for his life where other times it felt like he had a pretty stable protection on him. Um, and maybe that's the correlation or was there something else at play that you, just, you know, for example, like the, I know like the predators game, that was very defensive. You know, it was just, that was a low scoring, you know, opportunistic one. Um, other ones were blots, or then you would come out and, you know, assert dominance on say Orlando, the first meeting. Three and out in the, I, that I can I put that on us as a receiver core and a quarterback. I felt like our old line did great. Of course, our D line and our defense did great. They got picks and we didn't move the ball downfield as an offense. So I don't feel like we was well prepared as a team. We didn't, I don't feel like we changed up things from the first game we played them. We tried to do the same exact thing that we did in the first game, but their defense changed up how they was playing us. So we wasn't prepared as an offense, far as quarterback receiver wise, and I, I'm going the coaches wise. We we just wasn't prepared, so we didn't mentally prepare. We didn't watch film as we should. So they came out and stopped us when we supposed to just did our thing and do look like we looked in the first game. Mm-hmm. So I I I blame that on the receivers and the quarterbacks. Fair enough. Yeah, and I. Again, uh, as I reiterate, you know, not to throw anyone under the bus, you know, just, yeah. uh, you know, leading in, of course, because it's vital in arena. I mean, you you can't I mean, giving up sacks in any league, in any form of football is, of course, you that's a no, no. But even in arena with how short the distance is, how the just kind of the margin for error is even less with how you have to keep scoring up. I, I completely is understandable, you know, that and, of course, a really good quarterback to give you chances too. I can understand with that being said. Um you, so you ended your seat. You're in your off season right now. Um, what's next? What's next for you? Like, uh, I know you, I know sometimes with agents, you can't give everything away, but you know, what, what, what are you, what's your mindset right now? Off season 2021. Uh, right now I've been, I have started working a job at the airport. So it's all I do. I work, work out and I take care of my baby girl. And I just, I'm just looking forward till next season to see where I want to play or who I want to play with. And hopefully I can win another championship before I done playing because I'm not getting no younger. So yeah, I'm, I'm not doing too much. I mean, of course I hang out, hang out with my friends. I try to visit different cities that everyone is playing with, playing that play that and just mm-hmm. enjoy my life because football will be back around soon. And I want to be in, in good top notch shape because I'm trying to win a championship for sure. You got a favorite city you've been to over uh, your three over the time you've been in different leagues? Yeah, I, I will have to say my top, my favorite one was Arizona. 
Okay. When we were in Mayfield. And then now, when I played here since Orlando, I was I loved Orlando. We went to Orlando Predators. I loved it. And I can't even lie about it. I loved it. <laughs> nice. Nice. J- the jungle was definitely rocking this year. You know, they definitely. Yes. Yeah, they, they had the crowd rocking. Of course. Oh, I mean, I can't say Albany wasn't bad. I mean, as far as the place playing, but not as a city, the city of Orlando. I loved it because, of course, we went out of, and um, partied a little bit after our loss. I'm sorry we lost, but hey, I still had fun in Orlando. Hey, and I wouldn't mind going back there. I haven't really had to get out to go to Jacksonville, Florida, because I well, we played them in 2018, but we we was I think we might have drove up there, so we drove there and drove back from um, uh, Greensboro. I see. He's couldn't really enjoy uh, the best that the city has to offer that. Jim could suggest yeah. at some point. There's right. nothing here. <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're not missing anything. Great start. <laughs> that, that's just because of the COVID situation. But I, I heard Jacksonville Duval gets real active out there. Yeah, it does. But <laughs> if you've lived here, I lived here my whole life. I'm like, yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> so, but people say, oh, Jacksonville is rocking. Yeah, okay. Just don't don't ruin it for me because I will still live here. <laughs> and that's why you say that because you live there. It's, it's it's fun for it's fun it's fun for the guys that don't live there. They they see multiple maybe women. They get to go hang out downtown, see the Jazz Jaguar Stadium. So, I mean, that's a plus for them. Hey, it's just an everyday occurrence to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, look, there's a football stadium with a sucky team. But nah. yeah, that's my life. They'll <laughs> <laughs> definitely get back right. Hopefully, y'all can get some protection from Trevor uh, for Trevor Lawrence, and he'll be cool. Hopefully, that's we've been saying that for about twenty years. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They one can only hope for him. <laughs> you know, it, obviously for for the jet for the Sharks Nation. You know, having to not be able to escape away from the Jaguars with uh Successful team this year probably didn't help either at, at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Better luck next year, though. We'll see. Um, Tyron, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate the talk. It, it's it's glad to get to get a chat it up with you here. Um, just get a little bit insight as well. And you know, both of us here, we wish you the best wherever you go. You know, I, you know, whatever yes, league sir. you're in, we'll be rooting for you. You know, and following along with your journey moving forward, man. Yes, sir. And I thank you guys for having me and uh, hope everything works out and this will be the greatest show ever. <laughs> <laughs> Almost we certainly make it. Top. Yeah. <laughs> but where where can we follow you on social, by the way? Uh, on That's just my name on everything that I do. Okay. It's just my, my, my regular name. I don't have no, no crazy hashtag or at names like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much, Tyron. Have have a good one. Appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you later on. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great day. All right. You too. Special thanks to Jersey flight receiver Tyron Laughinghouse for joining this show and giving us a bit of insight, you know, not only on the flight, but just kind of, you know, just, just some other tidbits on, you know, just being a receiver in arena, just, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, different levels and just his life in general. I mean, I always like life stories for the players. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do with any show. I do this show ground gallery or anywhere else I'm on. I just, I like talking player stories and just kind of where they go 
and how they've where they've come from you know so it was nice and like like i was saying at the beginning there jim we uh we finally did it we got one player from each team we knocked it out finally so sorry to jersey flight fans uh again for i I guess taking a little too long so i took what about five months yeah six months months. five six you know just 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 pile on (laughs) hey it's the off season you gotta have some type of content why not go to a team that we didn't cover yet? <laughs> <laughs> you just wow! Just this is just getting worse by the minute. <laughs> I feel bad for them. I just like you brought that to my attention, and we didn't. We we've talked about Jersey all season. It was just yeah. we, we haven't had a chance to get anybody from Jersey on. Yeah. Um. But it was it's it's good to have a uh, laughing house on the show today, and it was. Pretty cool hearing his backstories where he his future plans are, and especially he's in Texas. Talked about Frisco and mm-hmm. the IFL. Even though that this is not a IFL podcast, it's the off season, people. We're going to talk about the IFL. Oh yeah. Um, it's still they had their championship this uh this past or I think two weeks ago. Uh, a NAL team won championship. Uh, Massachusetts Pirates, which is you know congrats. Yep. Congrats um, the Pirates. But yeah, it's. It's it's unique that how he was talking about where the AFL and the NAL stand from his time of playing in both leagues. And he shared the same criticism like other players that we talked to. And and even from other owners we've talked to. So there's a we see that common terminology, that common how you can say the common issue in the league. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's an open um, dialogue between that, between the players and the coaches and the operations. So that's good. And it's nice to have him on. And of course he was in his car doing some uh, uh, duties with his uh, lady friend um, going to the store. So it was nice <laughs> for him to, you know, take some time to talk to us while he was driving around his Texas town and appreciate it. So, yeah. Yeah. You can't you always appreciate the time players give to us on here, you know, and what we can, you know, talk with them on. So it was nice to get some insight. Um, and I really, I think I like the part, I really like talking just uh, cause we now, you know, at least for those that didn't know, and now we have known more now that, you know, those that were AFL players in 2019, you know, there was a Barnum in the IFL and now there's going to be a chance for them to spread out to different leagues openly now the IFL's lifted that. So, you know, next season's going to be kind of interesting and a lot more jockeying, I think, and changes might happen to where who knows who's going to be back in the NAL, who knows who's going to be in the IFL. And, you know, I think that's good insight is, you know, location does play a factor into it just based on the, you know, but depending, of course, on the salaries and things like that, you know, that you're making, you know, if you don't have to travel and you have a team in either league, that might be your sway. So, you know, for him, because like he was saying, he's in Texas. So, you know, do you go, if you get a chance to go to Frisco, like say you had that chance, would you do it? You know, that's, that's his call to make, you know, location will play a lot of factor for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And location and leak. Yeah. Uh, there are, um, we're getting about the central, uh, the championship indoor football. That's literally, the central part of the United States uh, and having the, AF, the, the the rules for the IFL 
taken down. It's going to be a unique situation of AFL caliber players going to IFL. But open that does open doors for I, IFL players who are from the East Coast have a chance to get on an NAL style of the game and learn the game more. So yeah. it's one thing that you've we we can all agree on, especially no matter what league you play or love or support or no matter uh, what faction you trust, like in wrestling, for instance, um, competition breaks and brings the betterment of sport. And the three big leagues in arena, as they all three compete with each other, it, it makes the product better. And this will help athletes across, you know, train, uh, you know, move uh, interlaterally in between the three leagues. So, mm, mm-hmm. and that's that's a positive thing. This is not degrading the other leagues that are possibly lower tier under the, the three big leagues, um, but it helps grow the game. And the IFL, as everyone knows, is the outdoor game played in the indoor stadium. A lot certain players like it, certain quarterbacks don't like it. Um, but the NAL, you know, tends to favor the more traditional arena football play, but it's indoor football. We love football on this show and the people who are listening to this podcast, they love football as well. Uh, It's something that's going to be unique. And it's something that for us who cover these, the the NAL and possibly more leagues, it's something that makes the competition, you know, more competitive, more interesting. Uh, possibly like you can think of college football where the SEC is the dominant conference, but the Big Ten makes some noise too. So it's going to be a right. nice little match between the three leagues. And that just means that we love the game and we want to see it grow. And having three le- leagues at their peak in a non-COVID season, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I- I'm looking forward especially to, well, a non-COVID season will be really nice so we can – have, you know, at most part, we, we should expect at least all stadiums to, you know, be a little more open and all that. So I'll, I'm looking forward to that next year. Um, yeah, I, you mentioned CIF. So I, I, I want to bring this point up just because I love the name. What, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of Topeka Tropics? Uh, Ron Burgundy, Will Ferrell, I mean, <laughs> the Bear. Um, it's so out of the blue. I, I, but I love the ad for it that they did, you know. <laughs> they just played up the entire re- recreation of like the opening of the film to a T. <laughs> but Topeka instead. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, don't panic. Don't panic. They don't get startled. Right, the bear roars in the background. Everyone panic. I could just see it. It's a unique <laughs> name and it's it's funny because it's the middle of the United States. Mm-hmm. It's literally smack middle of the United States. And tropics, it's nowhere near the, the Gulf of Mexico. It's nowhere <laughs> near the Caribbean uh, or Southern California. It's just like so out of place, but so unique. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, there were some people that got thrown off by it because they're like, what's the relation? Like, even with the trailer that they made, <laughs> there were some people that I guess I'm assuming I'm no, I'm assuming not everyone's seen, you know, <laughs> I'm assuming not everyone has seen semi-pro, but 
there's there so many references for semi-pro and I, I know one one individual said straight up is like this is the silliest name i have ever, ever seen and this individual at one point was working for the cif as a uh media as kind of their media manager uh that's just off the top of my head i don't it was well, it's basically dealing with media and relations was the position and i had a comment to the guy and i go well hey wouldn't you have known about this and then i also had to explain semi-pro to him and i i don't know I just to me it just is a big miss of the mark in that regard but i love the name i think it's like well i could tell you love the name because the name did what it's supposed to do for you that's yeah. why the Topeka Tropics, why they named it, because people were like, what the hell is this? Then they look into it. They go, oh, OK, this sounds pretty cool. Like there's like there's a buddy of mine that I have no I've pretty much known since I started doing podcasting. And when I was doing AFL stuff or for AFL podcasting in 2019 and he messaged me and, ba- and straight up just said that name is the reason why I bought season tickets to the Topeka Tropics this year. Um. And the, this guy's been a diehard AFL fan. Um, he's seen CIF games, but it's not like end of the world, like or not like I must go all the time. But bought season tickets. And Does he I live just, near there? He, 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 he lives uh, near Kansas City. So, oh, so that's okay. That's not that well. That's yeah. about a two-hour drive, three-hour. Yeah, drive. I mean this this guy's drove longer distances for AFL games, so it's not like it's impossible, but. I just just hearing that I'm going just the name like I'm hoping that the <laughs> I know we're talking a lot of CIF right now, but I'm just to conclude this. I'm hoping that this they're talking like they're going to have like a spectacle in the stadium and like it'll be an event to go to. Yeah. Like, I hope it is. You know, if you're going to play up the movie like that and the team's basically lampooning the film, you better play it up. You know, it better be a. Better be a spectacle. I I hope it is at least. It, it'd be nice if we had like cross league preseason games because it'd be awesome to have the Topeka Tropics take on the Massachusetts Pirates in a preseason game. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so cool though? Like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be like what's that? Just we've, that'd be unique. We've come to plunder the islands, <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be cool. It'd be cool if the the Topeka Tropics were like, we're going to do the similar end zones like. Uh, uh, Massachusetts, but our end zones actually look like sandy beaches. Oh. Um, and the goal line, the goal line should look like the ocean, like the crystal blue water from the ocean. Right. So, right. so you have that 3D effect that you, you think you're on the ocean or the two islands in the tropics. Yeah. Um, and have the goalposts like, like designed like freaking like palm trees. That'd be nice. That. So be. I mean, hey, if the Rattlers can have green goalposts, you can you can do a different color in Topeka. Yeah, and I don't know how big their arena is, but if you look at that league, I do think there's another team coming pretty soon in Colorado that the name is going to shock people because they're going to think of the what it is. It's definitely the the high catching thing. Um, because from what I've read, the leading boat getter is oysters, um, the Rocky oh, Mountain variety. I, I I wish it was. They, they actually that one lost like the semifinals. Oh, so it did get eliminated? Yeah, it lost uh, out. I guess. Uh, uh, so that one we for that vote, it was like uh, 
I guess there was a web version or like they were accumulating. And I guess the web vote was what killed it or something like that. But they're like supposed to be announcing. I think it was between the cannibals, the Denver dynamite and the mile high monsters. Really? One of the three. And one of them is an old AFL name from the OG era. Well, dynamite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the original. Yes. So the, the so John Elway, John Elway still owns the crush name. I don't know. And I mean, I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I'd be, I mean, it's been used before that IFL used the crush. Is it, they're playing in Denver? I don't know. There's not enough details. Like, okay. it's so thing. it's just, it's, it's, so it's just Colorado at the moment. Yeah. They've, they've kind of gone quiet. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've okay. I've heard rumblings that there might be issues, but I don't know. I so, so, so we're talking about the Topeka Tropics. We're talking about the new Colorado team, and I know the IFL launched the Vegas Golden Which, Eagles. Golden yeah. uh, Hawks. Uh, Hawks. Where I get Golden Eagles from? I mean, they are. It's a golden logo. It yeah, look, it looks like an eagle. I mean, I so I can't complain. So here's so. We're getting that, you know, that thing right now, the time of year we always hear, especially in any league, especially the NAL, expansion. Oh. A lot of you and- guys have a lot of you guys have been on Twitter, have been on Reddit, been on the NAL boards, hearing all the little rumors and tidbits about, oh, there's a t- there's going to be a team in, in Philly, there's going to be a team in Lake City. It's gonna, like, all the rumors are spreading like crazy. Do we know any information? Um, let's just say we know information about the situation. No, we're not trying to be Karens or anything about it. Um, but as of right now, enjoy the off season. Uh, the NAL is, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, it's kind of a situation where you're like, ah, can, can we get anything from the NAL? Yeah. You tease. Yeah. <laughs> They're still being teased, uh, but people have asked me about on on our page and on Twitter, on Facebook, about what our opinions about fancy our fancy expansion cities. And we've always said that we need to get this league to at least eight teams minimum for next year, so you can have possibly two four team divisions. Um, our ultimate goal is that I, I would love a league that's at least twelve teams. That's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal for me. 12 teams, 18 playoff. Um, something what the, like the IFL did this year with their 15 teams and eight got in. Um, It'd be nice. It'd but be they, had nice. An off, they had an off-balance schedule, but, but that's because of the COVID situation. Um, let's just talk. They had the, the – the, I almost said winter meetings, but that's baseball. <laughs> they had the uh, summer meetings for the NAL in Jacksonville in the Million Island. Or no, not Emilian. That was someone else. Emilian um, Allen was ACC basketball. Um, and Jackson for the NAL downtown of theater talked about the future of the National Arena League. Um, some things did come out. A lot of things are still near say, you could say. But overall, the meetings from a fan perspective who doesn't know the ins and outs of the league come off very disappointing in my opinion if, if me and you zach were just regular fans 
and go, oh, they just tweeted the league meetings, and you read that article, you're like, so they just wrote an article saying that they're meeting in Jacksonville and right. nothing else. Right, because that's what you would think. It, like, you see that and you go, okay, so when what's the follow-up message? Yeah. No follow-up message. So the no, only thing no. you, the only thing the NAL has sent out, and it's really been only through Facebook and maybe t- Instagram. I haven't really checked their Instagram in a minute because I know their Twitter's been quiet. Um, they've been posting, like, uh, for the record, like, graphics, most of them, like, Albany Empire championship records. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. If you're a normal person, if you're a guy that, you know, maybe you can't talk to someone and, you know, right now everyone's being quiet because they that's all they can do, um, then, yeah. That's very disappointing. Kind of seems disappointing when you see the IFL and even the CIF and they're like, hey, look at us over here. Like, it's like the it's like the Squidward in the house meme. And you see the two leagues kind of just frolicking, like doing expansion news. And then the NAL is just in the house. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like right now. But I feel like when we talk about expansion teams in, in the NAL, I think the NAL has been burned a lot of t- many times so far with teams that, oh, we're expansion, we're joining the league. And it's a crapshoot. The organization's not good. Um, their locker room gets robbed. The field's too small. Or power goes out during the game. Or, well, let's just say the field's not even owned by the person. Uh, so there's been teams all around the NAL in its years that the ownerships have a good mindset and a good plan, but there's no financial backing behind it to, you know, capitalize on such endeavor. Right. And I feel that the NAL is being very, very cautious on who they want into the league because they do not want to have a Louisville, a Baltimore, a Tampa Bay tornadoes, uh, a high County or, you know, all the old teams like the Florida, uh, the, the Florida Firebirds, the uh, Monterey Steel, which I still think is a, a team that should should have never left. But across the border, they kind of kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the NAL, people say, oh, why is NAL not expansion? expanding? Well, first off, they're not expanding fast or fast enough for the fans to like. But it's something that you got to look at if you st- Sit back and look at the league. We have six teams in the league right now. None of them have folded yep. after a pandemic. None of them have folded. So what do fans do? Where's the expansion? Are you not going to congratulate that the six teams survived a COVID year and haven't folded? That's a big regard. You know, yeah, that's something you have to be celebrating considering the history of arena yeah. as a whole. Because uh, the CIF. Left. The CIF, yes, a new expansion team. They lost two teams this offseason. San Antonio, Valor, hello. They, they, <laughs> I don't think we talked about this before, but here's a little thing about the CIF. We're not bashing CIF. Let's just tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. The San Antonio Valor, they played a whole se- or a couple of games with a name of a team that the NAL owns. How does that happen? It's unique. That's why I'm talking about ownership. <laughs> that man also just got, arre- got arrested for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> he's just sent it 20 years in prison for a sentence. Uh, yeah. Defrauded almost a million dollars out of people. Yeah. Um, although it should be caveat. I should mention, um, 
they i think it was that they that the intent was to join the cif at some point they actually tried doing the texas series with them in san antonio right uh with them in san with them in amarillo Amarillo. and yeah yeah so i i think the intent but even then like how are you going to do it when you're defrauding people left and right you know and even then like we've talked they didn't have the rights to the name anyway they just used it and (laughs) when i know the people out there their passion for expansion they want to see the nal expand because they want to see the league succeed but they're always looking ahead 10 steps ahead of what the league is but never want to look back and see the problems that need to be fixed right now like you know we know we talked about it in our last show what last show i was on i think it's about a couple weeks ago about what the league needs to fix and all and what the league needs to work on we all love expansion news, but if you can't fix the product that you have right now or make it better, expansion would be just adding to that problem without fixing it and moving forward. Yep. And I know a lot of fans out there won't like that, but honestly, there may be what three organizations in this league that can go to other leagues and be successful right off the bat and not miss a step. There's a couple of teams in this league that can't do that. They go to another league and all of a sudden they're just in the mug. Um, so for the fans that want the expansion, just enjoy what we have now. The six teams who didn't fold still here, mm-hmm. which is positive. Last year we had a team leave or in 2000, excuse me, 2019, we had a team leave for another league. And we had one that folded right before the season end in the New York uh, New York streets. And in 2018, we had the main mammoths. Unfortunately, God, I still love those helmets though. Yeah, um, so good. And, and who's the other? Lehigh Valley folded yep. too, right when the season ended. Lehigh Valley folded right after they. Well, that was no the second year in Lehigh Valley. They went 0 and 12. So that was God. That's a wow. That's a bad season. Ugh. Um, but we survived. Well, not survived. The six teams that started 2021 are still together now. Now, what, two months after the season? That's a big positive sign that the league knows what it's trying to do is to build a foundation. You can look over the IFL right now. Or I, oh shit. The IFL, not the IFAL, whoever they are. The Indoor Football American League, whatever league that is. Jesus I, think that's, I think that's like AAA uh, baseball. Anyways, uh, the IFL, yes, is expanding, has good teams, but there was some financial rumors of certain teams folding. Um, they didn't, but some of them were about to close up shop because of the pandemic. And CFL or the CIF did it, and the NAL did it. Mm-hmm. So be blessed at the 16. So the expansion rumors and the expansion talk, keep talking about, it. keep dreaming, keep hoping that the league does expand, but they're going to take their time and doing it. They're going to get the right team, the right organization, the right ownership group, the right building. You don't want to put them in a freaking building that they can't fill and make the league grow from there more they can do that a better foundation you have for more expansion eventually they'll get to their number that they want to get to but it's just a matter of time 
but it's their time, not your time. It's what they want to do. Right. We're, we're at the, we're at the mercy of their movement and that's just how it's going to be. I mean, in the meantime, you know, we can only hope that some of the gripes we and others have had, will get adjusted, you know, while they're figuring other teams out, but no, no, trust me, we've you know. also that the episode we had two weeks ago, where we critiqued the league and you know praising certain things, mm-hmm. we got a lot of feedback from that. Yes, we did. Which, which we want to say thank you. And it's not. It was the strangest that the owners got at us for stuff that the fans said, and the fans got at us for stuff that the that we praised. So it was it was such back and forth between both aspects of things. And it's that was what that show was about is because we love this game and we want to get it better. Mm-hmm. And we can't get better without pointing out the issues that need to be fixed. So bring back the nets. That's what we're debating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Can we get the when can we get the nets? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not for, for probably not soon. Not yeah. next year. So and, hopefully, sometime down the line. We'll, and also, and also, honestly, uh, guys out there, we want to say thank you. We appreciate it. There's not a lot of news coming out in NAL right now, uh, but we want you to smash. I almost said smash that like button. That's YouTube. Oh, but <laughs> that's coming soon. It that's coming still, in before. We're still in the works. Yeah, that's that's coming in and started next season. Uh, but like. Share whatever you do. If you're an IFL fan, if you're a CIF fan, help like share this link on our social media, whatever, because we have a threshold of listenerships. Uh, Once we hit that threshold, we will be giving you possibly two shows a week um, for two leagues. You know one of them. The other one's up to you. So. And trust me, we do have other individuals that will be coming onto our program when that does happen, so we won't be all out of whack. So we will become maybe your only source for football inside of the arena. <laughs> we will find out. You know, Correct. <laughs> keep on keep on following us. If you haven't already, please do. Like I said, we're still getting those benchmarks. You know, and then we can bring you IFL content, like we're saying. So yes, you know that's that's still on the rise. We're getting closer, by the way. Uh, numbers are going up. We're getting closer to those marks. So, uh, you know, by, you know, in hypothesized by starting next year, hopefully do that. So we'll see. We'll see. You yeah. know, we shall see. Uh, Jim, anything, any other final thoughts before we sign off? Final thoughts is that it's entering October. That means Halloween's coming around. And that means that I will be. Honestly, watching more crappy football because my college, my alma mater is shit right now. And my favorite football team in <laughs> my city that I live in uh, doesn't know how to, uh, you know, cover receivers. Oh, Jim. Uh, but it's oh, a depre- my, fo- my, my football season is very depressing. So looking forward to hockey now and basketball season as they are about to be tipping off and the puck dropping here pretty soon. Um, but overall, we're about six months away to no. Wow, no, we're we're about four months away to the start of the 2022 season. You're talking NAL? Like four months? 
Oh, well, indoor football. I usually get started up around February because of training camps. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I was taking into account that just games, but yes, oh. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because all these leagues all start at the same time. Right. So I mean, we'll be, I mean, we'll be seeing signings coming in December and January usually anyway. So yeah. most of those come out then or even earlier. I mean, I've seen some in November before. So, you know, depends on who needs what right now. And actually, for crying out loud, we're talking about signings and you know, stuff. Uh, I know the Empire, they just hired on a uh, offensive coordinator. So an offensive head coach. Um, so that is escaping my mind at the moment. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it sometimes does. Oh, I got it. It's uh, Sean Anthony Johnson, offensive line coach. Ah. Not, not like the Empire needed help in that department last year anyway, but might as well shore it up, right? Oh. Yeah. Um, but before we close it out, I do know there's a rumor in the yellow that's spreading about the how long is next season going to be? Um, I did get a confirmed source that got to me about this, that there will be seven home games Ooh. here in Jacksonville. So if you have seven home games in Jacksonville, that means you have seven road games. That means a 14-game season might be the number that is for the 2022 um, NAL season. So that'll, that'll I did nice. get that. Get, I did that get confirmed. So at the we had eight games last year, fourteen games this year in twenty twenty two. So you get six more games of football. So that's going to be very, yeah. Or math's correct. Math on the fly doesn't work sometimes. Fourteen <laughs> game season. Don't know about this. How how many teams make the playoffs or how many teams there are in twenty twenty two? But we do know it's going to be seven team or seven home seven home games in Jacksonville uh, for the twenty twenty two season. Well, I'm looking forward to an expanded season. It's going to be fun. You know, we got got more time ahead of us. More news. Hopefully, will come to us. You know, by the end of the year. I mean, it will. I, I I highly expect it will. You know, you can't wait all. You can't wait until the late until the late winter and start of 2022. I think, I, don't ske- think you should. I think the schedules for the season come out in November. I yeah. I mean, it'd be nice. That would be nice. Or December. I mean, yeah, or January. It would be nice. It that'd be real good. Or don't do it like last year, the week before the season. <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll rush. We'll rush that one again. <laughs> yeah. Coach, who are we playing this week? Don't know yet. <laughs> uh, you're going to uh, Cal, New York. Yeah, you're going to New York. Uh, shit. All right, we'll go. Ah, oh, we just booked the West Coast rates. <laughs> You're killing me here. So, anyways, this is what happens when we have a freaking off season with no news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, folks, uh, I'm going to do reverse rules here. Uh, here to close out today's show. Uh, if, don't forget this one thing. Hey, folks out there, people in the arena community, don't be a jack out of the box. I'm just saying it's pretty easy. <laughs> It's pretty easy. I give that a nine out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, folks. 